Rose Gaston came to the fiddle relatively late in life. She'd arrived in Edinburgh and was looking for something to do. She went to some music classes, for the whistle, for instance, but the fiddle, well, it came to her rather than the other way round. I'd gone to visit a friend who, at the time, lived in Montgomery Street, I think it was. They had a main door flat and they were going to extend down into their basement and they had to clear out a lot of rubbish that was in there. So I went round just as they got the skip outside the front door and I walked in the door and Hamish said to me, come and see what we found in the, in the basement. And I went in there there was this old wooden fiddle case on the table and he said, have a look inside. So I opened up and there was a very old battered fiddle on, on in it. And I was kind of, you know, admiring of this thing and not really thinking much of it. And then he said, we're going to throw it in the skip. And I thought, you can't do that. <laughs> so he said, unless of course you want it. And I, I thought, well, I don't want it to go in the skip. So I took it home. And I then discovered that it was not at all playable. Not that I particularly wanted to play it, but I just felt it ought to be in a playable state for some reason. So I went along to Stringers and they fixed it all up for me. And I brought it home and I just could not put the thing down. I had no intention of playing it, but the minute I got it home, I kind of picked it up and... and so did you have a sort of natural aptitude for it? I'm guessing with hindsight I must have done, but I wasn't aware of it at the time. Early on I didn't go for any classes or anything, I didn't have any lessons. I'm just conscious of the sound that a fiddle can make yes. in <laughs> less than expert hands. <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose I was quite lucky because it was a quite a nice fiddle that I seem to have landed up with. It did have the capacity to sound quite nice. I think a lot of people, when they first decide to learn and go out and buy a beginner's fiddle, you know, they buy an instrument that actually doesn't have the potential to sound that good. But I was quite lucky that mine, for whatever reason, it had a reasonable quality of sound. I mean, I can only assume that either I was a bit deaf at the time and I didn't notice how bad the sound was. But presumably you you eventually did get some lessons. I got a bit stuck at some point several years down the line. I mean, I went to various things on a fairly ad hoc basis, but some of the things that made a big difference were going to Shetland for a week with Katrina MacDonald. She used to run week-long fiddle workshops up there at the time. And I did that probably after I'd been playing for about five years and I just got very stuck in what I was doing. That certainly turned a corner in terms of being able to play tunes with a bit more of a sense of rhythm about them. And the other thing was Mary Campbell, who happens to live just around the corner in High Street, who for a long time ran fiddle workshops, weekend fiddle workshops on Les Mall. And I used to go up there two or three times a year and learn all sorts of interesting things from her. And a lot of that was not just about learning to play the fiddle, but about kind of musicality and being able to use the instrument to really create something more like music rather than just a run of notes in the right order. I started the band up with a friend of mine who also was learning to play the fiddle after we'd both been learning for a year, which when I look back on it, I just think, how did we get away with it? <laughs> and I think actually the way we did get away with it was that we happened to have the luck of some other very, very good musicians who joined us. So we had this Kaylee band on the go, which was six people at the time, two fiddles, accordion, drummer and guitarist, and a whistle player. I certainly found it quite scary when I first did it because I'm not a great one for being in the limelight and kind of standing up on stages and things until I realised how little people pay attention to a Cayley band you know it's not the same as standing up there for a performance a couple of occasions I'm aware of where 
it was very apparent in chatting to people during the break that we had in an evening that they hadn't even noticed who was on the stage and you kind of think actually this isn't as frightening as I, I imagined it might be. We've had a lot of fun and we've been on the go now since 96 I think it would be. So 22, 22 years. years? Yeah. And it's called what? Dahuli Tailyband. Where did that name come from? <laughs> or, is it, or is it lost in the mists of time? Yeah I think it was just the best of a bad bunch really of suggestions that we came up with. It was the, the only name we could all agree on and it's kind of stuck with us. So you perform at? We play in all sorts of places. I suppose a lot of the stuff we do is people's weddings, birthday celebrations, family events. We have some families who ask us back for all the events they have, which is quite nice. We do quite a lot of stuff for various bits of Edinburgh University, students, all sorts of things there. Some public keelers. We do keelers from time to time for the Scots Music Group, which is really where all the musicians in the band first met, so it's quite nice to kind of go back and give something to them because their Cayleys are fundraisers for the organisation. I mean, we'll play for almost anything that anybody wants us to play for, really, but but a lot of the events are private functions, family, family celebrations. Ross has been organising events, including Cayleys, for years, so it made sense for her to organise a series of initially four Cayleys here in Portobello, raising money for the Porty Time Bank and Tarbank School, as well as Belfield. The band has a caller to keep folk right with the dances, so you don't need to be an expert in Scottish country dancing to have fun. It was an idea that came to me a while back, I guess, because I used to work for the Scots Music Group quite a long time back. So I was involved in organising the Cayleys that they run, and they still run theirs every month they have a Cayley. And I'm just aware that having played for those public events so regularly, that it's, it's quite a different thing to playing for a family function. And it's not that we don't love playing for people's weddings and all these sort of things, but people aren't there to dance. They're there because they want to get together with family. And, you know, it's nice that we can kind of add something to the occasion and bring some fun into the evening. But it's quite different from the band's perspective. When you've got a room full of people that have come because they want to do Cayley dancing, you can do slightly more complicated dances. You don't have to do quite as much calling, usually, and describing what's going on on the floor. It has a slightly different energy to it often, not exclusively, but there's a bit more kind of sense of excitement about it. (laughs) And having moved to Portobello two years ago, I suppose I kind of get a very strong sense of the the feeling of community that there is here. And with the community buyout of the hall, all these things just kind of suddenly came together in my head. And I thought it might be quite a nice thing just to start up something regular that was very much aimed at local folk to come along and just enjoy themselves, let their hair down, have a good night. And if we could tie that in with raising some money for local organisations that are doing local stuff, it seemed like quite a nice thing to be doing. The doors open at 7pm with dancing all the way through to 11 o'clock. <laughs> 